You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with Yinegamu. Yeah. So, um, yes, that was the wife. Yes. Technically, it means my woman, which I've always respected about Greek. Like, the way that you say wife is to say my woman. <laughs> I do dig that a little I bit, know. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Um, so welcome, guys. Awesome to have you. And um, if this content is adding value, by the way, please do share it. You'll notice that this one isn't live, and we apologize for that, but Lisa and I are traveling right now. We are either somewhere in the south of France or in London. Uh, we are hitting up both. Very excited to be doing that, mm-hmm. going for Cannes Lion. And then uh, we have a meetup. Although by the time you see this, it'll probably be too late. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing a meetup in London. Are you coming to that or do you have family stuff? Um, I need to check, but I think I'm coming. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yes. So we have questions that we have taken from around the world of social and people also submit to connect at impacttheory.com. So we've pulled the questions from that and we're going to dive yeah, right in. Yeah, let's get in. started. Let's um, do it. Okay, this question was on YouTube by Michelle Parson. Um, Tom seems to be really good at compartmentalizing emotions from actions. <laughs> how do you develop the ability to take emotions out of the equation? How do you mo- move forward without being excessively worried about the other person's emotions? Man, so this is something that... So I consider myself... a. Uh, in some ways I'm an emotional guy. And so what I mean by that is things really hit me and they'll hit me and I will feel very strongly about them. But when it comes to like something really traumatic happening or like your alarm going off in the middle of this episode, like how am I going to deal with that emotionally? (laughs) So for me, like I, I would be lying if I said like, oh man, I get like, you know, just crushed emotionally and I feel like I want to cry. Like, I don't respond like that to things, but this one really does come down to me. Do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. So I've just found getting emotional sucks cognitive cognitive reserves. It makes it very difficult to be rational. It makes it very difficult to be articulate and emotions are controllable. So you put those together and it's like when an emotion strikes, I immediately like calm it. I don't stamp it down. I calm it. Like I let it rapidly dissipate and practicing that is very doable. So getting to the point and I mean, you know, because you were there like I would I use physiology to get past this stuff. So if something is making me close down, I force myself to open up. If something is really like making me intense, even just like lifting your eyebrows and even thinking about a smile that is crazy to me. But even just thinking about a smile will lighten your mood. So there are ways through physiology to shake off some of the emotions, um, to learn yourself, like you know, like not to overly engage. Like if we're getting heated, you'll step away. I know not to try to convince you. 
And like, because I'll, I'll get so myopically focused on like, I think that the way that I'm approaching the problem is superior from like a goals perspective. And I'll fucking latch onto that like a, a dog with a bone. And wow, did I ever learn in the early years of our marriage that that is an ineffective strategy. And it took me a really long time to hear what you were saying about like, stop trying to convince me. Because in some ways, that's like stealing your free will from you. It's like, you see it differently. Like, that's just the way that it is. And so me like trying to win that argument uh, was just foolish. So but if you were trying to win the argument, it was because you would feel better. Or you would feel better going, okay, well, I didn't upset her because I was right. Mm. Well, usually what you're thinking about there, it, it wasn't that I could feel like I didn't upset you because I was right. It was that if I could convince you, you shouldn't have been hurt in the first place, then I didn't have to feel bad. Yeah. And that, that was a driving force probably for the first five years of our marriage. That was huge for us to recognize that, um, oh God, what's the phrase you use? Like, don't convince me I shouldn't be feeling like this, yeah. right? So when coming with emotions, it's like whether it's petty, whether you got annoyed or upset over something ridiculous, the truth is you still feel it. And so either um, berating the other person for feeling it doesn't work, doesn't help, doesn't solve the issue. Um, or, you know, saying to yourself, like, you're ridiculous. Why are you feeling like this? Like, that doesn't work. I don't think either. ever either of us ever berated the other person. But Not I would berated, definitely try to convince you right. that it was a mistake to right. be upset by that I thing. was trying the Billu tactic, the Tom Billu tactic of being super dramatic with nice. my words. It's good. Hyperbole <laughs> will serve you well. Hyperbole but, is the greatest thing ever. Wow. Just to be nice and wow. hyperbolic. Yeah. Um, but, f you know, with you, yes, you would try and convince me to not feel the way that I was feeling. And that's actually part of, you know, interesting with this question is um, most of the time, I think women get a, more, a lot more emotional than men. So, um, you know, he says, how do you move forward without being excessively worried about the other person's emotions? And I think you've done a really good job of not getting um, sucked in when I'm feeling emotional. Um, you keep very even keel. And then I've in turn also learned like, Lisa, you're feeling emotional. Like, you're upset, like you're feeling it. So don't try and push it away because I know you said like calm yourself. Um, I don't try and push it away because I found that that doesn't help because then it just piles up. Right. Um, so embrace that you're feeling emotional. Right now, I understand because we always talk about em um, em being emotionally sober. So in my sober moments where I'm not feeling the emotion, I say to myself, um, Lisa, when you're feeling like that, embrace it, but know you can't think straight and know that anything that you say to Tom or any discussions you guys have, you're going to have your walls up. So I've told myself that before I get emotional. Mm. So when I'm emotional, I, I remind myself, Lisa, you told yourself that you shouldn't like have a conversation with him right now because you're feeling emotional. So listen to your sober self. So walk away. And then that's one thing that we've done um, quite over like, let's say the last six months is I'll say to you, babe, I'm feeling really emotional right now because I think owning it also helps. Otherwise you're like, why the hell is she acting crazy? Mm. Right. And I think men kind of um, really do just like, um, what's the word? Just like brush certain women aside because they're like, she's crazy. She's acting emotional. Um, you don't do that with me. So that allows me to go, okay, I'm feeling emotional. Let him know so that he's not like, what the hell? 
I'm babe, I'm feeling emotional and I just need to step away. Like, let's have the discussion in an hour or maybe the next day. Um, and so you're really respectful of that. And I think that you showing me the respect that you understand this is a process I need to go through then helps me feel supported, which then allows me to bring my walls down. Mm. And then when I come back, we can have that like more straightforward discussion. But you never get sucked in to me being emotional, which I think is very important. I rarely get sucked into me being emotional. Yeah. Like that's one of those things that um, it's what I call the overwatch mechanism. So I've trained myself to have an overwatch mechanism in my mind. The easiest way to explain it when you're intoxicated, like literally intoxicated. With alcohol. Don't, yeah. Don't you find that there's some part of your mind that's still sober? That's like watching the drunk you. No. Oh, that's interesting. I do. Hmm. Like at all times, which is why I've never done anything stupid. Would you say I've ever done anything stupid even no. when drinking? No. Ever, ever, ever. No. Like it's just not my thing. So I have this overwatch mechanism that goes, okay, like this is the code that you live by and well done for having a code <laughs> that you live by, which I think everybody should have a code yeah. that they live by. Just things that you do and don't do, who you are, your identity, all that, the actions that you consider acceptable, not acceptable, the filter by which you judge the world. Um, so that little dude, my um, humunculus, as they call it in neuroscience, like sits in my brain and goes, yeah, that's, that would be a drunk thing to do. Like, and because that's there, A, I don't drink too much, which is why I've never, ever, ever thrown up uh, from drinking. I just can't believe people do that. And I think I've had one legitimate hangover in my life. Um, and I learned a powerful lesson that time. I cannot match your stats. Yeah, no, sadly, not many people can. Um, and I learned a powerful lesson that night about like, they're just even, because I never got like weird. I felt great like that whole night, but had... There's just a, a certain amount of alcohol that I can consume. Some people are way better. Right. There's a certain amount that I can consume no matter what the like period of time is. If I haven't slept, there's just a certain amount. And I, I exceeded that. And that's why, <laughs> bless me. you, um, why I had a hangover. So because like I've trained that voice to always be there, that's like scanning my behavior, that's scanning what's going on, whether it's alcohol, whether it's like emotionality, it's like I can see what the... I know what the rational, like totally calm, absolutely neutral version of myself would do. And so I just say, it is an amazing skill to be able to do that even in the midst of a storm. So if you're going through like, and this comes back to the code, like you, you've seen me on like my most difficult days when like, you know, when one day the like story of my life is told, like there are a few key moments and but I, I have the, um, the Overwatch mechanism that's like, okay, play the long game, right? Like, this is how you should act. Like, this is how you would act if you were totally emotionally sober and all that. And that has served me insanely well. But that, like, part of what I think has allowed me to be successful is I know how to steer my obsessive thoughts. So... I think everybody has obsessive thoughts. Most people let their obsessive thoughts go to the negative and they just stay there and they obsess over them. And that initial emotion sort of Consumes like builds, them. right? It builds into like a, um, a condition, right? Where it's like what with you we'll call the principle of the thing, right? Like where you feel that there's been an injustice and until that injustice is righted, you just like can't see straight. And that, 
like that doesn't enter into my mind. I'm just like, okay, what's going to move me towards my goals? I've got this code that I built over time and I'm just like constantly running filters against it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's really helped me not like get lost to the emotion. And you use that same strategy both with business and with our relationship. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It really comes back to do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. So if my goal in our relationship is um, like, for instance, this was how I really realized like you can't ever use somebody like you've confessed things to me that you're insecure about or whatever um, over the course of our relationship. And like those moments where you feel so connected, you feel so safe, you feel like you can tell them anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, I'm never going to use this against her ever not in like the most bitter argument, not like if you uh, betrayed me, like then it would become, who do I wanna be? And I don't wanna be the person that when betrayed, they get bitter as well. Like, so like thinking about those things like obsessively, like, like I was saying, like turning your obsessive thoughts to like that code, right? So that when the, because mo when the moment happens, blood is going to leave your prefrontal cortex. You're not going to think clearly. So at that moment, it's what I call grabbing the legs. So in MMA, when you see somebody get dazed, they grab legs. I mean, it's literally hilarious. Sometimes they'll do it to the referee, like, yeah. because in MMA, like, that's how you keep yourself safe. You need to be holding on to the other person's legs for no other reason so you can take them down. But like, you'll know where they are. Like, you can orient yourself. You can get past that being dazed, period. Um, so that to me is like the grabbing of the legs is like, what is your code? What's that thing that you've thought about like a thousand times? Like if I were ever in this scenario, I would do X, Y, Z. So that when that scenario comes, you're not trying to make it up on the spot when like you're confused and like you're, you might be in, in literal and anguish can come on like that, right? Like that moment of betrayal where it's like happening in real time and you're like, what is going on? Like th that emotion is so weird that you're never going to think clearly in that moment. So you have to have obsessively outlined, like, how do I react to mm -hmm. all these different scenarios? Yeah, and you were the one that really taught me that. Like, in your sober state, write things down. In your sober state, tell yourself mm -hmm. who you really are. In your sober state, tell yourself the way you're going to react to a situation. Um, it's interesting that I can't jump straight to it. Like, I know, first and foremost, I need to get rid of the emotion that is fogging my mind. And so I can't do all those things like, okay, well, what did I tell myself I was going to be? Now act accordingly. I can't jump straight to that. It's actually really interesting, and I'm very curious. So my real question is, why is that? But to ask that, let me get really specific. Okay. So... You know that, for instance, if you're really pissed off, if you laugh out loud, you'll stop being pissed off. Yeah. Why don't you go shut the bathroom door and just laugh out loud? Because I get you're not going to want to do it in front of me because I'm probably the one that pissed you right. off. So Yeah, I don't. Like, What's interesting is I would do that once my emotions are calmed down. And mm. I know that you're like, well, what's the point? No, I think I have the answer because I went through something very similar. And this is what I wrote in that letter to myself, mm. um, which we've talked about a lot. Maybe we could, uh, I don't want to make somebody look up where we've talked about it. But basically, I don't get angry. It takes a lot, a lot, a lot for me to get angry. I don't get hurt. It takes a lot for me to get hurt. But Jesus, once I do, fuck. Like, then I stay angry. And that just wasn't certain. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to 
make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So I thought, I've wasted too many Saturdays. This was back when literally the only time that we had together was on a Saturday. And I thought, I've wasted so many Saturdays getting pissed off by something. And so I wrote this the whole day. And so I wrote this letter to myself basically saying you have no agenda, just like go laugh out loud, like clear your head. It's brain chemistry that you're fighting Mm -hmm. against. And the reason that I had to write the letter to myself was when you get hurt, you almost certainly have a right to be hurt. So the person probably really has done something that, like, if you both stop and think about it objectively, you'd be like, yeah, that was a little bit shitty. You did an impact quote, so I think it was last week. Oh, my God, you say that. And, it like, I've heard you say it a million times before, but it hit me all over again. Like, That's cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's, like, the the big thing. It's It's like excuses. Excuses are so sinister because they're valid. They're real, right? Like, Blake Lieber is just the perfect example. He's born without legs. So to ask him to be an Olympic caliber sprinter, it doesn't make sense, right? Like he's just got the excuse. And most people just, they can't even think past it. It's, this is water, right? You don't have legs. It's so obvious and so ever present that why would he ever think to try to be a runner? But for whatever reason, he got it in his head that that's what he wanted to do. And so we started working with prosthetic teams and like came up with these blades that let him run. And he's now an Olympic caliber sprinter. I mean, it's unbelievable. So excuses are terrifying because they're so valid. Being hurt is terrifying because you probably have a reason to be hurt, but it still doesn't serve you to get lost in that emotion. So that's, in realizing that, like, I have every reason to be upset, but how is that making my life better again? So it was like, 
as long as I knew the answer was you love me, you want good things for me, mm. maybe this is a collision of values, maybe it was emotional clumsiness on your part, maybe I'm being overly sensitive, like who knows? But we're here, yes, I have, like it's valid, the emotion is real, I have the right to feel it, it's just not giving me anything of that I value. So I need to snap myself out of it. So it's interesting to me that you've seen me go through that. You've seen how it's changed our relationship. And there's like even just, and that's but one simple example. You know a mechanism to use, but you still... But it's not that I haven't tried it. I've absolutely told myself in those moments, like you can snap out of this in a second. And it's like, I've tried it. And I guess like... But do you go, do you do the physiological I don't. So I haven't tried that actually. But I have told myself the mantras that I believe. And I find that I still can't hear myself because the emotion, like I I call it a fog. Mm. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I get, you know, in the fog where you get like a torch, you still can't see anything. So that's kind of how I... Great analogy. Thank you. I just came up with that on the spot. But it's like that. Like I feel like I've got this fog in my mind which I would call emotion Mm -hmm. um, or you know like elevated emotion and so I've tried getting the torch and I still can't see and at least right now the technique that works for me is I need to get rid of the fog and then I can think clearly so what I do currently is I just take my mind off it I distract myself completely. So whether that put on a TV show that I like, um, go on social, go into a, a review of an episode, like I'll do a work thing, like I'll do anything else to literally take my mind off what just happened. Mm. And then I'll get sucked into whatever I've decided to focus on. And then I can, the fog slowly starts to clear. And then I know within an hour or two, I can then talk to myself, ask myself the questions, click myself out of it. Like, you know, the phrases that you use that I tell myself all the time now is, you know, you get what you focus on. And uh, in fact, I tell myself that first, you get for what you focus on. All right. So stop focusing on what you're doing, do something else. So that then takes me over to another direction. But once the fog is cleared, I say to myself, does this move you towards your goal or away from your goal? And I can think clearly so that's a strategy that I use right now that, um, yeah, that I find works. The only problem is you go from emotion to clear-headed like that now. And it used to take you a day, it used to take you two days, and you've really reduced that time. I haven't been able to reduce it that short. But because we always talk about it, now you don't push me to get there immediately. And I think that's important as well, is knowing the other person's process. Because if I can't get there immediately, like you don't judge me on like, you should be able to get there immediately. Why can't we have this discussion now? I think actually we had an argument about it like six months ago and then where you're like, no, let's talk about it now. And I'm like, babe, I really can't. Like I'm emotionally, like I'm drunk right now. Like my head is foggy. I cannot physically talk about this right now. Give me a few hours. I'll bring it back up. That way you don't have to worry. Like, should I talk about it? Should I not? And so I said, I'll talk, I'll bring it up when I'm ready to talk about it. And you then turned flip to switch you never brought it up you were super like jovial and I think that's important you weren't just like every time you were around me like what's up like you didn't bring that mood to the table after that and so I felt like I could bring my guard down and then once I was clear and I was ready to talk about it I said you okay I'm ready to talk about it and um, then we did 
Yeah, what's interesting is your strategies are still like about changing your brain chemistry. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Like you just need to stop pumping those chemicals. Like mm. you need to, the fog that you're talking about, it's a neurochemical state. Like I could put you in an fMRI and I'm sure I'd be able to see it and see, okay, this is what they're going through. Um, almost certainly could test it in your blood. And so it's like for me, understanding that it's a, um, a neurochemical response like then, I don't know, like the, the analogy of the human is the chemical processing plant was very effective for me. So it's like, all right, we'll flip this switch, mm. which is how we talk about it, right? You just said it a second right, ago, yeah. I flip a switch. That's literally how I think of it. It's like... What did you call it? Emotional chemical plant. We're chemical processing plants. Yeah, that's Literally, cool. humans are chemical processing. You've but I'm thinking, of, like but I'm thinking of like a plant, like a, um, a building with yeah, like... Oh. exactly. That's exactly what I mean. I don't really envisioned it but anyway, sorry, wow, that's to you. fascinating <laughs> not to being is how i've said that so many times this show has been <laughs> such an interesting like we would go away on a vacation and it's like we would write questions we still do this but we'd write questions to each other because it was like we've talked about everything so if we just go into a natural conversation like there's a lot of cuddling and touching and but like quiet time because they're other than work which when we're on vacation we like shut that door um like we've done those all those talks so we found to spark it like go online look at like what are the most interesting questions that you can ask somebody like but this show has like it's always that little nuanced angle and having to like really verbalize it and explain it to somebody else because i feel a lot of times yeah. more like I'm, i need to keep in mind like how they'll be able to understand the concept mm -hmm that makes me like hear different things and what you're saying and even like realize some things about myself. It's fascinating. And not, not to keep getting derailed, but that's actually a really good idea for couples at home. Like go through our um, Facebook feed and see the questions other How people ask yeah. and then ask yes. your partner that. Cheers to that. Like, right? That's what we do. We basically look, we... Guys, Chase, my resident note taker. We're going to do a book, a relationship book, based on the questions that we get submitted. We'll put our answers and leave space for people to put their own oh, answers. That's dope. Come on, bam. Dap it out. Dap it bam. out. There it is. Love it. That was awesome. It's good stuff. But, but, let's, but that let's do that. Like, that should come out. Like, we might be able to beat my escaping. All right, submit if you want that book. Yeah. That's awesome. That's I idea, love right? that. Yeah. Nice. But well said. You were kind of going idea. somewhere with the chemical plant. Uh,. Just were chemical processing plants, mm -hmm. being able to envision that gave me um, the ability, like I don't, I don't like to be beholden to my biology. That's the truth. We've never really, I have a real problem with authority, like a real deep-seated problem with authority. I do too. Yes, you do. More than you do. That's not true. And I think if you really think about that, you realize. That I'm thinking more like rebelliousness and. You're not a rule follower. Right. And I am a rule follower, but I have a problem with authority. It's very okay. different, which is interesting. Um, like, for instance, I'll stop at a yellow light. You used to make fun of me for that. I know. I feel, I feel bad now. but You didn't feel bad back then. <laughs> uh, but you used to make fun of me for that. And I would stop at a yellow light, 100%. Um, if there's a line, I'm going to stand in it. Just because, like, I'm thinking about, like, all the other people, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, but when it comes to somebody like telling me how to do something, I really have a problem with that. So when I think that like my 
body, like my biology is trying to make me act a certain way, I really see myself, this humunculus in my mind, the ever sober overwatch as like he does not take directions from anyone, least of all biochemistry. So, and I know how false that is, by the way, but the things that I can push back against, I will. And so when I feel myself getting emotional, like almost out of spite, I'm going to squash that because I refuse to be a victim to my own brain. Mm. And you work hard to not. Hashtag truth. Yeah. But I don't like to be told what to do. And you've, um, again, just knowing your partner, like you know that if you told me to do something, like that's the worst way to get me to actually do it. That's true. Like, if, but I would never like if I said go do that, then on principle you would stand and say right. No. But like even the other day, I can't remember what happened, but I said something, and you're like, okay, so what do you suggest? How would you do it differently? Like you kind of, um, you like don't. What do you think about this? Versus like, no, you should do this. Like it's there's so many nuances in a way that you phrase something to somebody else, which is either going to allow them to hear and be open to what you're saying, or to be completely closed off and literally just reject what you're saying because they they feel like they are being told. Right, being bossed. Being around. bossed around. Yeah. So even with that in communication, like we're all about communication, and for us, it really is like use the language that is going to really get, um, affect them. Mm. No question. Yeah. Um, Where are we at on time? All right, here? so we've got five more minutes. Nice. So maybe time for another question. Yeah, definitely. All right. You may have to give a um, slightly shorter answer, but. All right. So this question. Um, Go, is from Kelly Foss from Facebook. Do you believe in the idea that opposites attract? Some could argue that having different strengths or interests could complement the other, but others could argue that being similar makes a relationship easier. This literally comes down to how you define similarities and differences. So um, on really important things, I think if you go with somebody who's different than you, you are dust. But on like more surfacey stuff, it doesn't really matter. Um, but at the same time, having complementary skill sets, I think is critical. So, but for instance, if you didn't value ambition, done, we're finished. Um, if I didn't value family, done, we're finished. Like there's things that are so fundamental to who we are that it's just never going to work. Mm. Um, if I wasn't an open communicator and you were, then we're in trouble. Um, but at the same time, from a skill set perspective, you and I are very different and we value each other for those skills. So um, when it comes to how we should do things, like, wow, man, especially like you're just anything that's logistical in nature, you're so unbelievably good. So, like the remodel of our house, right? If and I did in the beginning of the relationship, but if I continued to fight you on all that stuff because I felt like I should know best, how torturous would that be, right? right? So you even sent a group text to our contractor <laughs> and me. Like the contractor said, well, Lisa, I asked Tom. Ago. And you said, how about we never ask Tom about anything to do with logistics? Yeah. And I was just like, yup. Yeah, like, and this I wasn't is good afraid advice. to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I mean, like, Things like that are, I think, really, really critical. Like learning, really learning to let you shine was so, so, so important to me because I didn't think you'd find me attractive if I wasn't better than you at everything. And so that was a real awakening for me. Um, 
that kind of stuff, like where is the other person better than you and really celebrating them for that. Like you want, like they say in business, and I think this is true in a relationship as well, if both of you think like partners, if both of you think the same, then one of you is unnecessary. So mm. it's like you've got, it, you've got to have enough like core base similarities that you view the world in a similar way. You and I are both very optimistic. We look at the world of possibilities. We look at what could be, not just what is. Um, we move towards like the creation of beautiful things like that, all that stuff, like getting excited. Like you're far and away the most excitable person in your family. You're far and away the most adventurous person in your family, right? So it's like all the things that like I respond to, you're the same, like we bond over that stuff and that makes the foundation of our life mm -hmm. like very easy to know sort of which way to bounce. But then like at a skill set level, like we really, really complement each other. And at one point we sort of clumsily had this analogy that we used, which is we like to order the same dish at a restaurant, but we each like different things from that plate. Oh, so I really do like that. Yeah, so it would be like, you know, let's say, God, I'm never going to be able to come up with a great example. Let, let's say it came with, this is terrible. Uh, Benny Hanna's, perfect example. Okay, give it to me. Benny Hanna's. We both love Benny Hanna's. But when we go there, I normally take your vegetables mm -hmm. because you're like, I don't want to fill myself all the up. mushrooms right. and all that stuff. Exactly. And I'll give you like the big chunks of like egg in my rice. Yeah. Right? Like, that's such a really good analogy. Yeah, yeah, like our foundation, and I was thinking about this question. I know I try not to pre-think about things because I want it to be, you know, authentic, but I actually was thinking about this question um, a few minutes before we started rolling. And the truth is, I think you need to kind of analyze that when you first meet somebody. Um, and in thinking about like, did we really do it? And I think it was totally subconscious. But when we first met and, you know, you were living in America, I was living in London and literally it was like, how are we going to make this work? Mm -hmm. And both of us were just like, we'll figure it out. Right. Like that was from step one. Now imagine I'm turning around and I'm like, well, oh, it's never going to be possible. You live in America. Right. I live here. Lovely to meet you. Thanks for the great two months of a whirlwind, whirlwind romance. Mm -hmm. And then that's it. But we both had the mentality and then taking that core value we've put into the business, right? Like we're not afraid to try and we're not afraid because we see the amazing possibility that could be. And so as a foundation, as a fundamental, I think that's really important. Like we both, we didn't really discuss it, but we both had it. Right. And then um, going to um, just then the family, we realized that was really important. Christmas, like you end up bonding over these little things. But beyond that, in a long-term relationship, for us, we really had the discussion of alpha beta. And I know that we've mm -hmm. spoken about this a lot, but um, about our roles in our relationship, because I think just like in business, you can't have two visionaries. You've got to have one leader. Same in a relationship. I think that you can only have one beta male, uh, uh, sorry, alpha male and one beta male. And understanding what your position is in that relationship and being okay with it, right? Like mm. having those agreements, I think is so important. So important. Because if you get into a relationship and then you realize like um, the guy wants to do everything and, um, you know, wants to be the, the decision maker in everything all the time, like, and the woman isn't interested, she wants to be the decision maker in the house and he got like, there could be a massive conflict there. Mm. Yeah, when I see couples that are both fighting for alpha status... Yeah. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable. Yeah. But I mean, I hope anybody watching this show understands that 
we mean alpha beta in the way that wolves are alpha beta. It is not dominant submissive. Right. Because Ex you are an insanely strong-willed woman who makes sure that her voice is heard at all times mm -hmm. um, and who I've learned that there's no question. There's times where you're so much better at it that, oh, we're going to follow your lead, no problem. So it in, in the wolf world, basically, it's not always the biggest, the strongest, the most um, aggressive that is the alpha. In fact, usually that's the beta. The beta is physically larger. It's the protector of the alpha. Um, and it's really the alpha that wants to be the decision maker. It's the alpha that is more strategic. It's the alpha that has like that long range vision, knows like where we should be going to hunt. And so people fall in line because the alpha is the one that's going to keep them alive. Um, it's not because the alpha one is the most valuable. Right. And so realizing that the alpha dies by itself and it really is having the pack around it that, that protects it and allows it to do its thing, which is leadership. But in a group, like to say that the leader is somehow the most valuable is such a catastrophic error. And I think is how people get into relationships where that really becomes demeaning to mm -hmm. the person in the relationship who's not being perceived by the person who overvalues their leadership and then thusly doesn't value the person that's protecting them, facilitating them. Right. You know, like I, I've always said, like, look, the one promise that I can make the world is if for whatever reason you and I didn't end up working out, um, I would like your half, like half, take your half because you've earned it. Like we've everything we've ever built, even when you were a stay at home housewife, I felt like everything I've ever done I've only been able to do because we were together and that like from the jump, like it never would have occurred to me. And you want to talk about my code. It never would have occurred to me to think of anything that I had as more than like half of this partnership. So people understanding that understanding it's, you know, alpha beta is not a question of value. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a question of dominance. It's not a question of submission. Mm -hmm. It's really a question of like, What's your role, right? So who's going to, when there's like only one voice can be followed, like who are we going to follow? Right. So, and that's got to, I mean, the, how about this? The beautiful thing in our relationship was it wasn't like we drew straws or <laughs> I had to like force you to accept. It was like that we just slid into that naturally. Yeah. And so that's um, one of the ways where that us being different in that is beautiful. But I think... If you look at the totality of who we are as human beings, um, when people say opposites attract, what they mean is like, he likes to sit at home. She likes to go out. He loves sports. She loves shopping. It's like, that's going to be a nightmare on a long enough timeline. Like yeah. if you guys don't share common interests, like you and I bonded over art. We bonded over film. We bonded over psychology. We bonded over family and Christmas and like all these things that were going to be the day-to-day glue mm -hmm. but then we were different enough to complement each other from a skill set perspective yeah and i think one thing that a lot of strong women struggle with is if if they um if they feel like yes i'm a strong woman i cannot be not even submissive but i cannot be in a relationship where the guy's the alpha right you like, can't follow somebody else's lead right and um and i think that's such a misconception like such a misconception um you've made like we've had really clear discussions about that and 
for those of the people that know me, like I'm not a pushover and I never want to feel like I'm just relinquishing time and time and time again to you. And I feel like I don't have a say and I don't like have a voice like that would scare the hell out of me. I'd be out the door in a heartbeat if that was a situation. And I'm so I'm very comfortable in the beta role because we've had that talk and we've seen that documentary about the wolves and you still show your value in me like I show my value in you. And so, um, I think a lot of strong women struggle with that, that it has to be like, if I'm a strong woman, then my stake is in the ground. And that means that no guy's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to be my own woman. And I just think it doesn't have to be like that. Um, and the same with guys, right? Like just because you're male and you may have decided that you're alpha doesn't mean you can bully. And it doesn't mean that you can push people around. It doesn't mean that the other person doesn't have a say or that, like you said, like the value in the relationship is 50-50. Like that doesn't change. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen that a lot. And even with females who are very strong, like it's interesting to see them with someone who is... Um, almost submissive like they they almost never last because they almost need someone at their level right up at the i know i know that could be the next whole episode i think we can do a whole episode on that um Mm. because most of the time almost every strong woman that i've ever known actually seeks comfort in someone just as strong if not stronger um i know that's a whole different things on fire over there but it's such a fascinating discussion because we found a beautiful balance with that is that it doesn't have to be labeled it doesn't mean that you're gonna like dominate me and tell me what to do and boss me around and you know push me down and make me feel weak like i yeah and i feel confident and strong in our relationship and in our dynamic um but yeah, that's, that's something that we can go deeper in another episode. All right. Well, on that wonderfully controversial note, thank you guys <laughs> so much for joining us and for submitting your questions. And again, please forgive us that this one wasn't live. Uh, nonetheless, we appreciate the questions which we have collected from all over our social. And you can submit questions to connect at impacttheory.com. Uh, we gather them all up and bring them together and then answer one or two of them. That seems to be our, uh, our normal way, but we will eventually get to every question. So if you submit it, it will be answered uh, at some point in hopefully the not too distant future. If you guys haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.